Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, first and foremost, I wanted to uh, just take a moment and uh, thank everyone for uh, the amazing work that was done yesterday during our uh, fall festival. Uh, Mike Bongo and uh, Miss Betsy and uh, his team, or their team, I should say, uh, did a remarkable job of uh, getting things organized and then like always, uh, you folks uh, delivered above and beyond. I, I don't know that we had to buy hardly any food. I think the vast majority of it was uh, contributed by over 200 people in our church family uh, volunteered to, to serve yesterday. We got set up pretty easily on uh, Saturday morning and last night uh, after the worship service. Uh, we got the whole place tore down in maybe an, an hour so. Uh, just a, a constant reminder to me that uh, we have a, a church family that is sacrificial, loves our community, and it is certainly uh, a great privilege uh, for myself and Pastor Ben and Pastor James and, and Bongo and uh, the balance of our staff to, to be able to, to serve here. And so we're really grateful for that. Uh, so let's talk about uh, this morning. Uh, we're working through the series called uh, Genuine Church. Uh, if you've been around Living Water for any length of time, you know that we typically work through books. We're not real big fans of doing uh, topical things. That's why, you know, if you're coming here looking for, you know, five great tips for a wonderful marriage, that's just not something we're going to give you. Uh, but occasionally there are times that uh, we decide that we need to do uh, topical things and... Uh, one of the things that uh, we decided uh, earlier this year was it was really important to, to help our church family understand what, what does an authentic, genuine church look like. And sometimes Living Water meets those things that we're going to talk about, and uh, other times uh, we don't. Uh, but So we're, we're working through the, this series. It's going to take us basically through the end of uh, this year. And then in the beginning of next year, we're going to uh, talk about what does it look like to be an authentic believer. And so we've got this, this kind of long kind of topical thing going on. And uh, topical messages for a pastor are really super hard. Uh, it's so much easier to like, okay, we're in First John 1, just tell people what it says. Uh, the topical stuff, you got to figure out, you know, what passages of Scripture you're going to use and how do they all interrelate to one another. And so, so that's uh, challenging. And then uh, the other thing that's challenging is just me. Uh, I don't know how your lives work, but sometimes I'm my, my own worst enemy. And uh, I struggle and, uh, you know, I get too deep into my thinking and stuff like that. And uh, and then there's times where, you know, I expect God to work in one way, and God doesn't work the way that I think that he's supposed to work, and so that makes me angry with him at times, and uh, this, this week was one of those, those weeks. Uh, I had very little to do with the festival. I just had to basically show up and uh, help set up and then, you know, say hi and thank you to people and things like that, so I really... I had plenty of time to work on the message this week, and so I, I do what I always do. Tuesday is an administrative day for us here at Living Water, and, uh, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, pretty much lock myself in my office and just kind of dive into uh, the message. And so I uh, spent most of Wednesday uh, reading, uh, a better part of, of Thursday reading and writing, and I got in here on Friday morning and... Uh, for those of you who, who have jobs that, you know, are, have like forced creativity in them where you're like on a deadline kind of thing, uh, you'll know that, that there's times where things just don't work out the way that you want them to work out. And so, um, get to be about 10 o'clock on, on Friday and I'm like scrapping everything that I wrote and I'm like, this is not good. Uh, I got the festival tomorrow, so I don't have Saturdays like a backup plan, you know, and uh, I'm really just ticked off with God. Like, God, you know, I've been doing this for 23 years. I know you're always faithful. You always deliver. I don't ever want to be lazy or shoddy with God's word. And uh, God, why, what, what, what is going on? And uh, 
on, on Fridays, it's relatively quiet around here. We've, uh, we used to have, uh, everybody took Mondays off, uh, but some of our staff wanted to have Fridays off, so part of our staff is here on Mondays, part of our staff's here on Fridays. So Friday's really like four or five people around. And so uh, I slipped out of my office, and I came in here to this worship room, and uh, when all the lights are off here in the worship room, uh, the illumination is through these uh, little plug-in uh, lights, and I didn't want anybody to know that I was in here. And uh, so I, I unplugged all the lights that were, were over there, and I have all the doors shut, and uh, I, I, I went over there to the cross, and I kind of slumped on the floor. And uh, I was super mad with God. I'm like, God, why does this have to be so stinking hard? I mean, we're talking about prayer. Why, Lord, why does this have to be hard? And, and I, I sat there for, laid there, slumped there, whatever you call it, uh, for a good half hour. And, uh, you know, time's ticking away, and guys, I'm obsessive, compulsive. If these little lights aren't straight, I straighten them, okay? I mean, I'm just whacked out like that. And, and so to, to not know where I'm going or what I'm doing is just, it's really a bad place for me. And, uh, but I just sense God saying, Mike, you know, do you trust me in this? Do you trust me being faithful to this? And uh, after however length of time it was, I, I got myself cleaned up. I plugged all the lights back in, not to give, so I couldn't give away that I was in here. And uh, I went back to my office, and, and we have a, a, a guy at church. His name's Gil. And uh, Gil lives at the, the Paxton home, which is over here on Paxton Street. Uh, Gil is a, a wonderful guy. He's got some, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, Gil had... Some, he has some just cognitive issues. I, I don't know what else. But he's awesome. He's wonderful. And he's in, a, he's in Spring Creek Nursing Home right now. And uh, he's been calling. He's been asking me to come and visit. And I haven't come and visited. And I'm still guilty. And, and Bongo had been going over. And God's like, Mike, you just, just go visit Gil. And so uh, I hop in my car. And uh, Pat is our administrative uh, guy is out in the parking lot, and uh, one of our vans needed uh, picked up from Ford. And Pat said, hey, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to go visit Gil. He said, hey, would you give me a drive ride to Hoffman Ford? Well, Hoffman Ford is in the complete opposite direction of Gil. But I'm like, hey, Lord, I'm just doing what you want today. <laughs> if we're going to Hoffman Ford, we're going to Hoffman Ford. So Pat piles in the car. We drive to Hoffman Ford. I drop him off, and so now i got about a 15-minute drive to Paxton home. And as I'm driving... Uh, God puts on the, onto my heart, and, and this, this happens to everybody, I'm certain. Just the name of one of my friends I hadn't talked to in a little while. And uh, his dad had died about a year ago. I, I know that his mom uh, is kind of incapacitated some. She's living by herself. They've got help. And he lives in Philadelphia. The mom lives here in Harrisburg. And so I, I called my buddy up, and I just wanted to find out how he was doing and, and how his mom was, and so I'm, I'm doing this, and I, I know you're not supposed to talk on your cell phone during driving, but I, I, that's another scenario in my life. And, uh, and so I'm talking to him, and you know, he's telling me his mom fell, broke her hip, she's in the hospital, that you know, they've been running back and forth to Philadelphia, and uh, that it just had been really hard. And we had been together at my 40th class reunion back in October. I was hanging out with him, and something just didn't seem right. Uh, something was just a little off when we were hanging out together. And he said, the other thing you need to know, Mike, is uh, I've been having some, some cognitive struggles. The dude's 59 years old. And he goes, I can't remember words. Sometimes I can't remember where stuff's at. He goes, I've gone to, to uh, the doctor, and he wanted to say neurologist, and he couldn't figure out the word neurologist. And he goes, I don't know what's happening to me right now. And, uh, and so I, I was like, hey, can I, can I pray for you? And uh, 
So I have this, this, this great time just praying for my friend who I, I see maybe, you know, once every two years or whatever, and just like, you know, let me just kind of minister to him. And so I do that, and I, I know this is a long story, just bear with me. And uh, get there, I, get to, I visit Gil for a little bit, and, you know, Gil's offering me lunch, you know. All these, I mean, he's like taking better care of me than I've ever taken care of him. And uh, we wrap up our time together, and it's just really sweet. Uh, and I, uh, I head home. And Kathy's at home, and, and I, I like to go to Franco's to get pizza for lunch a lot of times. And, and they, they've been closed. I don't know what's going on there. And, but I go home, and Kathy's there. Yeah, got to figure that out. They've been closed all week. <laughs> he didn't ask me. <laughs> so uh, I get home, and Kathy's there. And uh, we're, we're eating lunch together, and my cell phone rings. And uh, there's a, a lady who's part of our church family, and she's moved away. And uh, uh, she, she called me a couple years ago, and so when I see her name on the phone, uh, you know, it, it comes up. And she called me to tell me that, that her, her son had taken her, his life a couple years ago, he, she, she had called. And, uh, and then about a year or so ago, uh, her name showed up on my phone again. This, now she's living in Maryland. And uh, she's letting me know that her son-in-law had taken his life. So the phone rings on Friday at my house, and her name's on the phone. And what's the first thing that goes to my mind? Like, what possible other tragedy can fall on this wonderful lady? And she said, hey, hey, Mike, uh, I'm not calling because something bad has happened. Uh, I'm calling because God laid you on my heart, and I just wanted to pray for you. You know, here I am, I'm feeling horrible about myself, and the God of the universe puts on the heart of this woman to call me just at the right time. And we... we, uh, you know, she prayed for me, and I prayed for her, and it was beautiful. And, you know, Kathy's the, the, the real spiritual giant in our, our family, and she's just like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's just what God does, you know. And uh, so I come back to the office, and I, I cobble together what we're going to talk about here in a minute. And, uh, you know, we did the festival yesterday. The festival was great, and, you know, God's goodness just sh- shone on us, and uh, and then this morning I come in, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm horrifically nervous right now. You just need to know that. And, uh, and there's other cool things that are going on. Oh, I, I, I believe, uh, praise the Lord, yeah, thank you, Lee. That's, that's very kind of you. Uh, thank you, thank you, that's very kind. And so, uh, I, uh, I come in here uh, this morning, and it's just, it was just a great day yesterday. And, uh, but, you know, I'm just nervous and afraid and, and all of that. And my phone buzzes, and uh, it's uh, uh, Dwayne Williams. You, you'll remember the Williams family. They, they moved to, to Richmond a couple months ago, and... Uh, Dwayne goes, I, I don't know why, uh, but God put you on my heart this morning. <laughs> and I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. <laughs> like, well, God, you can't be any, any more clear. And so, uh, and then on top of all, I, one of the other things I was going to say is, uh, this, this morning, uh, a young man who uh, started coming to Living Water with his mom and dad when he was probably about seven years old, Right when we were started, is now uh, is now 30 years old, and uh, he's uh, pastoring Harrisburg's newest church called Midtown Community Church, and that has its grand opening this morning, and so that's just a a really cool thing that's happening. So, uh, what I want to do is we're going to look at just uh, we're going to look at three different passages of scripture, and we're just going to talk about them and and talk about. Uh, 
what prayer looks like. And, and, and the one Lisa's already started. We're going we're gonna to start out by looking at the, at the Lord's Prayer. And then what I want to do, and, and Lisa alluded to it uh, in her prayer, then, and then we're going to take a couple minutes to look at how Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he is crucified. And then finally, we want to look at, we're going to take, go into the book of Acts and, uh, in the fourth chapter, and we're going to see how uh, the, the church in Acts prays uh, when just all this persecution is falling upon them. And so uh, that's kind of where we're headed. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, open up to uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on the, on the table around the room. And uh, feel free to grab one of those. It'll also be on, on the big screen. And uh, I'm not going have to you, have you stand right now since Lisa had you do that a little earlier. Uh, but it starts out this way. In uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he says these words. He says, uh, pray then like this. Now what's interesting about this section, uh, this is a part of a a greater uh, section of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus' longest recorded uh, sermon. And uh, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, uh, there's lots of things. Uh, Jesus talks about all kinds of moral kind of issues that, you know, should, shouldn't do this thing, you shouldn't do that thing. And all the time when he's talking about that, all the time when he's using the word you, when he's talking about all of these moral issues, things that you shouldn't do, it's always in the singular. And, and you and I, we can't see that because the you in English can either be singular or plural. But in uh, Greek, uh, there is a singular you, and then there's a different word for the plural you. And when he gets to the Lord's Prayer, he switches from the singular to the plural. And I believe that that gives us an indication here, and we're going to see this in a moment here in uh, the Lord's Prayer, that there is this corporate nature. There is something beautiful that happens when God's people come together corporately in prayer. Now, he he's obviously cares about uh, individual prayer because, you know, that's what verses 5 all the way down to 8 are, are, you know, talking about, going into your prayer closet, don't let anybody see, and things like that. But then he comes here to uh, the Lord's Prayer. And notice how he starts out. He starts out, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now what's interesting about this, and this is what I believe God wanted to teach me when I was curled up over here in a little ball on Friday, is the most important thing in prayer is not what God provides, the stuff that we ask for, but it's his presence that, that, that is the most important thing of all. That when we pray, we, we need to be, be seeking for God to be present with us, to, for him to be with us. Not give me, don't, Lord, I don't want anything from you. I just want you. And, and so here he starts out with this, our Father, it, it, it's, it's got this collective thing because it says it's our and then there's this beautifully personal thing. He, 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 we call him what? Father, Dad. It's not like, oh, great Lord, mysterious one, King of heaven. I mean, those are all important things. But he's like, 
to me, wrapped in this corner, I needed, I needed a father. That's what I needed. I didn't need this, this lofty, far-off God. I needed the, the eminence of God right there. And, and then it says what? Our father, this, so this is this intimate thing. And where is he? He's in heaven. It means what? He, he's powerful. He, he's, he's not of this world. He, he is so incredible, so infinite, that, that while wars are going over in Ukraine and possibly Kosovo, when, when there's floods in New York City, when, when there's sex trafficking going on and all that stuff, this incredible, amazing God that created the universe is so infinite, so huge, that he can give a rip about a 58-year-old balding Italian guy in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And that, that, that he can prompt a lady living in Maryland and another guy living in Virginia to love on me. And if he does that for me, he does that for you. He, he, he cares. And, and he's powerful. He can, do, he can do anything. And then you come along and he says, what? Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. You are pure and good and righteous, God. You're untainted by sin. You are totally different than us. And, and, and because of that, God, we want to honor you. We want to lift you up. We want to we praise you. I mean, because you are great and, and, and we're less than that. I, I mean, my, the list of sins in my life, you guys, is long. And i got to believe the list of sins in your life is equally long. Yet this holy God, set apart from sin, loves on us. It's an amazing thing. And then, then you come along and you say, what? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, they, 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 God, we want to be done here on earth what you want to be done here on earth. And what is the, the most important thing that can happen here on earth is that God is glorified. And one of the most beautiful ways that God gets glorified is when sinful people like me and sinful people like you recognize that we can't make ourselves right with God. That, that we need his son. That, that, that we need someone to... to, to to take our sins upon himself. Someone to pay the penalty for our sins that we cannot pay for ourselves. And so, we see this, that, 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 that we want this God's work to be done on this earth. We want, we want the kingdom of God to be reflected in our world. And we know how incredibly broken our world is right now. And it has been forever. We, we think that this is a mess right now. Folks, it's been a mess for, ever since sin came into the world. It's just a different mess at different times, right? And we want, we want God's perfect kingdom to, to be in this place. We're tired of the world that we live in. We want something better. And so we say we want your will to be done, not ours, but yours. God, we want to submit to what you'd have, to surrender. And, and that's the posture that every one of us needs to have before the Lord. God, do with me what you want. No, my life is not my own. And you, I belong. I trust in you. And it's so easy to trust in all this other stuff in the world. But God, I, I, I trust in you. And then we start to move now from, from once God's presence is with us, and once we're experiencing his presence, now we, we begin to ask for stuff. And what do we ask for? Give us this day what our daily bread. This is the provision part. It's God, provide my needs today. Now, I don't know about you, 
that I know about me. And I want them not only to provide for my needs today, I like to have them dialed in for tomorrow and the next day, six months out, you know. Hey, I'm going to be 65, I want to retire at some point, you know. I mean, I want, God, I, I just want you to kind of cover everything, right? God's like, let's just deal with today, right? And he tells us what his word, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's got enough troubles as his own. I don't want to know it. The reality is, who knows what tomorrow's going to hold? We don't, we don't know what this afternoon's going to hold. But, but it's just like, God, give me what I need for today. No more, no less. And folks, he did that for every one of us yesterday. He gave us exactly what we needed. And Friday, he did the same thing. And you know what? He'll be faithful tomorrow. He will be. It may not be exactly what we want, what we desire, but it's going to be what we need. And then it goes on and says, forgive us our debts. Pardon us. Forgive me for the things that, God, I do that are so incredibly wrong. so incredibly against your word. I mean, God gives us, you know, he basically gives us the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, there's what, 600 plus laws in the Old Testament, but they all get summarized up into the Ten Commandments. I, I can't even hit those. Yeah, I can't. You think I could hit the Ten Commandments? Jesus is like, well, Mike, I know you can't even hit the Ten Commandments, so let's make it even simpler. What's Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. Can you get that, Mike? Nope, I can't get that one either. I, I, can't, I can't get that. I try sometimes. I try all the time, but I fail all the time. And so we come before God and say, would you forgive us, please? And the reality is, folks, peace with God, it always comes through repentance. That's where it comes from. So many people want to be at peace with God, but they want to do things their own way. Peace with God always comes from saying, you know, God, I am way jacked up. And I need your forgiveness. And that's where it comes from. And then it says, as we have also forgiven others. And so it's showing us what? That we need to be a people who are forgiving people. And folks, I know people do horrible things to you. I know there are messed up relationships. I know there are those of you who are sitting in this room right now who had subpar moms and dads. And that's putting it nicely. I know that there are those in this room right now who have been horrifically treated by a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. I know that there are people in this room who have uh, been betrayed by friends I, and I know that, that, that hurt has flooded down. It's happened in my life. I know it's happened in yours. And it is so easy to want to cling on to those things that help hurt us. But it does us no good. It doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship gets fixed. You know, if your boyfriend rapes you, I'm not telling you to... You know, you don't reconcile with your ex-boyfriend. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you need to forgive. Because that's just a poison that stays with you. And then at the end of this, Jesus kind of summarizes this one point. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father 
forgive your trespasses. And you know, I read that and I just think, you know, what happens here is when you really have received Christ into your life, God doesn't let you go until you forgive others. And you may be holding it right now, and I'm not saying you're not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying he's going to be relentless. He's going to be relentless. And so in the midst of this whole thing, I, I just see the, the Lord's prayer is, God, I want your presence. And when I have your presence, then my mind is going to be set right to ask you for the right things that I need. And then I can get your provision. So, so Jesus teaches this. He teaches it, but the amazing thing is he actually lives it out. So in your Bibles, if you make your way to Mark chapter 14, uh, Jesus is uh, at the point where they've had the the Last Supper and... uh, Judas has, has slipped away to go betray him. He's got his 11 remaining disciples with him. And he takes them out uh, into uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, Gethsemane means olive press. And uh, Jesus is going to get pressed really hard right now is what's about to happen. And so... Uh, he takes these 11 guys, and he, he leaves uh, eight of them at the edge of the garden. And he goes in a, a little bit further uh, with the remaining three, which is uh, Peter, James, and John. And it's interesting that he chooses these three characters uh, because they're probably the three that have the biggest issue. You got Peter. Peter's a train wreck. You know, he's a beautiful train wreck, but he's a train wreck. And, and Peter is he's always opening up his mouth and just his mouth's getting him into trouble. My dad used to always tell me, Mike, your alligator mouth's going to get your parakeet butt in trouble. And, uh, which was so true. <laughs> uh, but here's Peter. You know, Peter's like, you know. I'm never deny you. You know, I'm, I'm in there. I'm for the whole, everybody else can deny you. All these other bums might deny you, but I'm there. And then you got James and John. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they, they drag their mom into the picture and they're like, you know, mom wants us to sit at your right and left hand in the glory of heaven, you know? And uh, so he, he, he brings these just guys that are, uh, you know, they're prideful and, you know, but they're important leaders in the church. And, and he says, come into the garden a little deeper with me. And, and so he, he, he gets them and they're, they're in the, the garden. And verse 32 of, of Mark 14 says this, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and they began to be greatly distressed and troubled because they're like, hey, this does not look good. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Watch what happens. Keep, keep watch with me. And going a little further, and, and, and folks, I, I believe when the text says going a little further, I mean, it really means just a little further. They're within earshot of about to hear what Jesus is going to pray. Because if they weren't, we wouldn't know what was written, what Jesus' prayer was. And so, so here are these three guys. They're supposed to, to, to stay awake and, and be watching with, with, with Jesus. And, and he goes into the garden, and uh, he falls on the ground, and he prays that if it were possible, the hour might pass with him. This is the humanity of Christ. He's faced with, with something horrific. And he's like, God, can you make it go away? Back in 2014, my, uh, my mother-in-law, Donna, had, uh, was dying of breast cancer. And I just wanted it to go away. 
I wanted her to stay around. I didn't want her to die. And our, my prayer would be, God, take this away. Please. Many of you know those prayers. You've got people you love that are sick or who've died. God, take it away, please. Or you've got some big hunk and scary thing ahead of you. Who knows what it is, a court date, a whatever, a meeting with a boss. Lord, can you just make this go away? And so here, Jesus gets that. He understands what's going on. And he says, if, you know, he's, he's just, he's falling on the ground. He's praying that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him, that he wouldn't have to go to the cross. And he says these words, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Dad, you can do anything. You're amazing. Can you take this away from me, please? Can I not have to die for Mike Leonzo's sins today? Can you please do that? And then he says these words at the end of verse 36. Yet not what I will, but what you will. I mean, he is, this, this prayer is intimate it is, is full of, of confidence. It acknowledges his humanity. Like, take this cup, this is hard. And then it has this incredible confidence, surrender. God, do what you want. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's, I should have a bumper sticker that says that on my car probably. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. He's asking these guys, he's asking his human friends to pray for him in his hour of need. And because they're human, they fail him not once, but they fail him again. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they didn't know what to answer him. How do you answer Jesus when he asks you to stay awake and pray for him while he's getting ready to go die and you fall asleep? How do you give that answer? And he came to them a third time. Oh my, we are a messed up bunch. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. And how can Jesus do this? He can do this. He can, he can say, okay, let's go for this. Because he's got this relationship. He, 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 he went to God in relationship. Abba, Father. He's God, put your presence, Father, into, in my life. I, wanna, I want you here. And then he put out his petition and asked for God's provision with humility and said, God, if this is not what you want, then do your will. And once he's done that, once he's surrendered, he can trust. He can trust. And once you and I surrender, we come to the point where we can then trust. And we know how this all plays out. Jesus is arrested in the next couple minutes. He goes through this kangaroo court greatest injustice ever inflicted in the world by humans upon the God of the universe. And then he goes and Jesus dies on a cross and takes upon himself the penalty for all of our sins. 
the innocent paying for the guilty. And he dies, and he's raised again. And he leaves behind this haggard group of people. And now if you get Acts chapter 3, that's where we're going to go. We'll be wrapping up in just a minute here. You know, the book of Acts, it's about the early church. And uh, it's great that God has given this to us because if we wouldn't have the book of Acts, when we last left the disciples, they were a mess. They've all fled. They're hiding. They think, what's going to happen? What happened to Jesus is going to happen to me. And then here in the book of Acts, something radically changes. These men and women who are, are terrified for their lives, they, they, they become emblazoned. And, and they're collectively in prayer in, in the first chapter of Acts, and God's Spirit comes down upon them and rests inside of them, and they become emboldened. And, and, and Peter goes and, and he prays, and 3,000 people uh, come to faith, and uh, you go a, a couple, you know, a little... You know, I don't know whether it's a couple days, a couple weeks, whatever. You get to the Acts chapter 3, and we're, we're told here that, that, that Peter, in the very beginning, we're not going to read it all out loud here, uh, but it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're not going to 3 o'clock at night, you know, to be hidden. They're there in the, mor- or in the daytime. And a lame man from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called beautiful, to ask alms for those who are entering in the temple. So here's this guy. He's been lame from birth. Every day his friends are bringing him to the temple so they can beg for money, so they can live another day. And uh, he sees Peter and John going into the temple, and, and Peter uh, directed uh, his gaze at him, as did John, and, and said, look at us. And this guy fixed his attention on them. He expected to receive something from them. And, and, and Peter says, what, you know, I got no money for you. I, I have, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be able to give you money for food, basically. But he says, this is what I, I have for you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this guy stands up and he walks in. And the people in the temple, are, they're mind blown. They're mind blown. And they all come rushing in, and uh, this guy, he's, you know, he's alive, and he's walking, or no, he's, he's, he's in full health, and he's walking around, and, and, and it's just, it's incredible that people are filled with wonder and amazement. That's at the end of verse 10, and in verse 11, and while this guy clings to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. This word is spreading like crazy. This guy who's been out here every single day, He's, he's been healed. And when Peter saw this, he addresses the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over to, and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, to this we are witnesses, and by his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man his perfect health, and in the presence of all of you. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, He is thus fulfilled. And then what's the command? Repent, therefore. Turn back. This is all that what Mike Bongo talked about last night. That your sins might be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from what? The presence of God. We want peace. We want our lives to be okay. Our lives are okay when God's presence is with us. That's where peace comes from. And so he goes through all of this stuff. Now, here's what happens. 
As they're saying all this stuff, all these people rushing there, Peter's uh, preaching and stuff like that. Now the religious leaders are like, whoa, this is not good. They come, they arrest Peter and John, who've just healed a guy who couldn't be healed, who are just preaching, they're not doing anything else, but they arrest them, they throw them in jail, they, they uh, leave them in jail overnight, uh, the next morning, uh, all the big muckety-mucks are there, and they ask, by what power did you do this? And in verse 8, Peter, then filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing well before you. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation, peace with God in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They, they come out boldly with this. We live in a culture that, that, that doesn't want that. We live in a culture that, that, that wants to see many ways to God. The God of the universe says, there is one way to me. It is through Jesus Christ. The world did not like that. The leaders don't like that. They don't know what to do with these guys, though, because the dude has been healed, right? And so they come out with this lame thing and basically say to these guys, you know what, we're going to let you go, but don't tell anybody this stuff about Jesus anymore. Just keep your mouth shut. These guys have the greatest news in the world and these religious leaders are saying, do not tell anybody this. And here's Peter and John. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And brothers and sisters, I can't but help but speak to what God has done in my life on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of this week. There is no doubt in my mind that there is a God of the universe and that God cares because he has demonstrated that to me through a phone call and a text message. He's like, Mike, I give a rip about you. That just doesn't randomly happen. I hadn't talked to the lady for, for months. I hadn't talked to Dwayne since, since they left. Yet somehow, God is burdening these people's hearts to pray for me. It's an amazing thing. God, he's doing the same thing for you. Sometimes we just got to be broken enough to see it. And so, here's what happens, and we'll wrap up with this. Go to verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And this is their corporate prayer. The whole church came together. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your ser servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. I mean, they're going, they're going back to the Psalms and they're like saying, all the kingdoms of the world are arrayed against the God of the universe. And they're saying, for truly in this city there were gathered today against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. All of these things, all of these bad things, God was using them for something amazing. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. 
while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, when they had all come together, and they had sought God's presence, it says, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is alive. He is at work. He is drawing people to himself. He has got a plan for you. He has a plan for me. That plan will never be thwarted. And we need to humbly come before him and say, God, I want more of you. I want your presence in my life. And God, give me the things that I need. But what I need more than anything, Lord, is your will, not mine. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, these folks who are so incredibly kind to me. Thank you for your word. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, what we just shared with one another, dear God, would be an encouragement to those who are struggling. I pray, Heavenly Father, for those in this room who've yet to come to faith in you, I pray today, Heavenly Father, would it be the day of salvation for them. I pray, dear God, that they would recognize their sins as I have recognized mine. And Lord God, that they might repent and turn from those sins and turn to the Son who loves them with an everlasting love. And Lord, that they might confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead so that they too, Lord God, might be saved. And for those in this room, Heavenly Father, who have done that, uh, maybe just last week, maybe 50 years ago, Lord Jesus, I pray that today would be a day that rather than seeking your hand, that, Lord, we would all seek your face. And, Lord, that you would be with them and me, that we would know your presence, we would know your power, and we would know your goodness, and we would learn to trust you in new ways. And, Lord, that we might show the love of Christ to others each and every day so that you might be glorified in all things. Amen and amen.